It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Some activists and some uh, 
interesting, interesting people building some community down there. And in fact, we'll be announcing, well, I'm going to announce it now, but we will officially be announcing a chapter of the Human Solution in Mexico that has been agreed to and will be chartered very soon. So, you know, when we talk about the Human Solution International, we mean it. We have a chapter in Canada and, and many members in Canada, and um, we now have a chapter starting up in Mexico. And, you know, you think about the Human Solution International and you're thinking, a lot of people think, yeah, you're the pot group, but we're not. We've said many, many times we're a human rights group, civil rights group. We absolutely champion ending cannabis prohibition. There's no question about that. But that's a basic human right that's been violated by governments all across the world. It needs to be championed. We also champion the rights of disabled folks who are being taken advantage of. Many times that crosses over into cannabis. Um, we also champion uh, veterans' rights. You know, there's a lot of folks who have, uh, on their own free will, chosen to serve our country and uh, done so and come back and found that rather than getting more than uh, opportunity, they get less than opportunity, and especially when it comes to medical care and, oh, yeah, the use of cannabis. So, again, our support for these groups are not exclusive to cannabis, but are certainly inclusive of cannabis. Um, and then, of course, we do support officially Native American rights. You know, there's a lot of folks who are down on, on America as a country because we came over here and stomped all over the Native people, and it's true. Um, but we, this generation that didn't do it, and... You know, if you look through history, we can say, well, you show me a time in history where every group didn't stomp all over every group that they could. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying it's the way it is. It's the way it has been. And today, today we can stop it. Today we can decide that all humans are created equal and we are bestowed upon by our creator inalienable rights, including those of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hey, that seems like a good reason to come together. We're not a political group in any way, shape, or form. I have members of our organization that hate Trump, hate him, hate him. And I have members of our organization that love Trump, love him, love him. And I have members of our organization that can't stand either party. And I have members that love the Libertarian Party and their candidates. It doesn't matter. It's not about politics. Politics is a tool that's very divisive and maybe necessary, maybe not. I don't know. There are places in the world where politics isn't a thing. There's places in the world where the rule of assembly is the rule of law, and they operate without um, specific laws and, and without specific leaders per se, but an agreement of, of how things work. I'll ramble a bit right now because I've got a lot to say and, and that's just how my thought process works or doesn't work as you might want to say. Um, I remember when my trial was going on back in 2011, um, the Occupy movement was going on and um, the Occupy Wall Street was going on. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people gathering together and they were saying, we are the 99%. And they had these assemblies, and they got together, and they said all this crap. 
And then Occupy LA popped up, which was kind of cool because it was where I was. And I remember when it got started, I was there the first day, or the, maybe the second day. I think it was, I think it was the second day. And it, everybody was gathering around the, the, the city hall. That's where it all took place. And there was probably a couple of thousand people there when we got there, and they were pretty organized, and they had food set up, and they had this general assembly that got together, and people would talk and, and voice their opinions, and they had this system of, of agreeing on things, on, on, on making decisions. I thought it was pretty cool. I got an opportunity to speak up on the court steps many times. And over the course of my trial, many times I would get out of court out of sitting on a defendant's seat for eight hours getting pummeled by a corrupt judge by the name of Charles Sheldon. And um, getting out of court feeling kind of beat up and driving over to L.A., which was the opposite direction from my house. And going up there and seeing all these people. And there was times when I we I, I put together a thing, I think they called it, I don't know, live mic or something like that, and you would say something and the people would repeat it, and you'd say something else and they'd repeat it. And it was it was a way of, of, of organizing a thought and and getting people to participate. It was kind of cool because for the first time in my activist life, I was able to get, you know, hundreds or maybe even a thousand people sometimes to work together. It was really, it was inspiring to see that if I got a message good enough together, I could get get people to listen and, and, and even repeat the message. But the problem with the Occupy movement was it didn't say anything. You know, kept talking about the problem. We're the 99% and fuck the 1%. And and I kept saying, and then what? What do we want to do? You know, what's the plan? Come on, doesn't somebody have an idea? And I'd get up there and I'd start talking about things like criminal justice reform and, and about ending prohibition and all of the, you know, inherent violations of our human rights that were going along with it. And people look at me like, oh, yeah, yeah, but what about the big companies? And it's like, yeah, okay, the big companies are a big part of all of it. What do you think it prohibition happened? It was all the big companies that got that started. But I failed in my attempt at getting that to become a part of a message, but I became aware of the idea of the assembly. And I got brought to my attention down there how in places in South America where there are sometimes violent uh, revolutions and and uh, change happening right now as we're sitting here freely able to talk. Um, and that's one of the ways some of the places are doing it. So I'm learning as we're going and trying to uh, share this. And, and it was interesting because there was one activist in particular I was talking to, and he was working with a, a number of different groups, and he was talking about the young people down in, I think it was Venezuela and Chile and Bolivia, and he said, it's the young people that are doing the, the lion's share of the work, and I was like, wow, how brilliant, right? You know, the young people, the, the adolescents, they're, they're, they're fearless, um, they're, they're strong, they're agile, they can run, you know, they can do all kinds of crazy crap, and they're not afraid to, 
if we could get them to focus on something, wouldn't that be powerful? And out here, the adolescents are all stuck like this. And then they're like this. Can't seem to get them to care about anything. Um, but we learn. We learn as we go. Hopefully we can figure out what inspires those ones down there and, and light some fires up, up here. We've got a few, a few new ones and a few new members of the Human Solution International that are youngsters, and I, and I encourage that, and I'm, I'm you know, working to build these teams. So many times it's the old and the tired and the sick and the fucked up in the head that end up being the ones that lead these nonprofit groups, and, and we're limited in what we can do. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a few crazy of us that are, I don't know, somewhat capable and somewhat healthy, but you got to have a, a team. So the Human Solution International right now today is, I think, at its strongest point it's ever been. We've got chapters all across the nation right now and in, in other countries. We've got leaders coming together. We have our Walk for Change. I'll be talking about that quite a bit. Uh, that was one of my topics for being down in Mexico is, you know, the walk for change. We're walking to end prohibition, but plenty of people are walking for other things. We've got people up in Michigan walking, walking for clean water, and we've got people that are walking to get pipelines out of their land, and we've got uh, people walking for their rights uh, down in Mexico in, for different things. We'll talk about some of those. I want to know why would you walk? What would cause you to walk? What, what right do you have um, that you feel is being stepped on that's worth getting together and walking for? Um, I, was, I was assaulted verbally by one of these activists who was like, you Americans, you're, you're, you're silly babies. You don't know anything. Look at you. You have everything, and you sit there and complain, and you let your government step all over you. And I said, well, yeah, we might be babies, but you know what? We we beat one dictatorship, one one uh, monarchy, and, and, and we can do it again if we finally get our heads to it. You know, there's one thing about Americans is when it, we get our minds to doing something, we get out there and do it. And a lot of people don't always like that, but we do get it done. And, and I think that it's the time. And I, when I explained to them about the walk, you know, and I talked about prohibition at first, and they was like, ah, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what you're talking about. He used to say we were. He said we were in diapers. He did. He did say you guys are in diapers. He did say that. I couldn't say much. And I said, I said, you know what? I said we're getting together to organize and build this tool. This walk for change isn't necessarily about accomplishing a specific change. The walk for change is about teaching us to stand together, to take an action, to assemble, to build that tool that can do anything for us. You know, our government's supposed to represent us. It's supposed to work for us. How often do we feel that our representatives do that? I don't think very often because I hear everybody bitching and whining and complaining, and I very seldom see anybody willing to do anything but clack on their keyboard a little bit now and again. So that's what the walk for change is, getting out there and walking, getting out there and rolling your wheelchair, getting out there and hopping on a pair of skates, a skateboard, um, you know, whatever, whatever you can do. There's going to be people crawling, doing backflips. There's going to be people, uh, you know, unicycling. Whatever way that you can join this, it's about being together. We're going to do hands across wherever we're at. We're going to do human chains. We're going to do all sorts of demonstrations. And that's what it's about. It's about teaching 
ourselves to work together, to set aside the differences that we have and think about what binds us, what unites us, what is the common uh, ground that we have, what's the thread that we have that can weave this beautiful tapestry of liberty, and that's what the Walk for Change is about. So we'll be talking more about that as we go. I want to give everybody a little civics lesson. I don't know how many people have come to me today and said, hey, guess what? The prohibition's over because Congress passed a thing and they voted. And it's like, really? Because that's not the way I heard it. The way I heard it was we did have a monumental action today. We actually had a bill that was going to help the people regarding their access to cannabis, and it even had some retroactive um, capabilities that would actually reduce and remove sentences from people that are locked up. And it passed the Judiciary Committee. Huh? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, one committee. It got through. And, yes, that is absolutely monumental because it's never happened before. And good job, Congress. However, it has a whole bunch of more of those to go. And then it has to go to the floor and vote in the House. And then it has to go over to the Senate and get voted on. Oh, and then it has to go and get signed by the president. So I wish people would study their civics lessons a little bit. And I, 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 I'm no constitutional lawyer. I, I try to be versed at least a little bit in what I'm talking about. But there's nothing that... I don't know, frustrates me more than having people that I love and care about that speak in a way that tells you clearly they don't know what they're talking about. They didn't take the time to pay attention enough to learn it. We need to get our messages clear and sharp and right because that way when we're talking to people who know what they're talking about, they can listen to us as equals. Why do you think people look down on us so much? Because we act like buffoons a lot. Not always, not everybody, and certainly not you, but it happens. And I think it's time for us to sharpen our game up, you know. Let's let's pay attention to what we're doing, and let's take some action. And if you're into that, get a hold of me. I'm really looking to add to this great leadership team that's growing. We have a lot of work we're doing, the Walk for Change, building chapters, supporting people that are going through cases right now, regardless of what Congress is doing or not doing, there's still people getting arrested. There's people that are being charged, going through trials, and getting convicted and getting sentenced and getting locked up. And there's still people serving sentences right now, today, in prison. And we can't forget about them and we can't let it go. We can't, we can't, um, just like so many people are like, well, you know, it's already over. So, hey, you want to do a business with me? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, sure, I'd love to do a business with you, but why don't we end prohibition first? So we can do a business and, I don't know, not go to jail. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, they don't bust anybody anymore. Well, you're not paying attention. So I think that it's important. You know, I'm rambling on, talking about a lot of stuff, but... I think that these are all things that are really important, and I'm seeing them popping up on Facebook, and I'm seeing them um, kind of all over the place, and, and people are making um, assertions and assumptions that are not necessarily based on fact. So 
All right. Well, we're supposed to have a bunch of guests today. <coughs> and I had one guest um, that was going to be a surprise. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit, but I don't know if I'm going to talk about him by name just yet because I kind of want it to be a surprise. But I'll just say this. A friend of mine who almost nine years ago went to federal court in a trial and was convicted in federal court and he was given the mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years and he was following California law and probably could have beat a state case but in federal court as it always is the judge said this and the judge's name was Piercy, and he was known as No Mercy Percy, and he was this big old black guy, and he was just, he was mean, he was mean, he had a hickory bat that he kept by the side of his uh, bench, and he would pick it up sometimes when he was talking, and he'd slap it in his hand, and when it came time to sentencing this man, he was ruthless in his statements. And we'll wait until he gets to come on and talk about himself, but I was there in support of him. He was there in my court supporting me. And, um, you know, we, we stayed in communication uh, while he was in prison, um, sometimes better than others, but uh, he called into the show a couple of times. Um Anyway, he's a good guy, and he's got a great attitude, and he got out. Um, he was part of what they call the RDAP program, which is like a drug rehab program that's tied into the federal prison system, and it can lower your sentence by a year, I think even more in some cases. Um, and, and he went through it, and he got, he got a year off, and he got out. And because of this RDAP program, he's able to uh, not have to be in a halfway house. But... Uh, he went yesterday to a meeting to figure out what kind of uh, um, travel restrictions he has, and he said he can't go on the media yet, and he can't, <clears throat> he doesn't, he, he couldn't talk about it just yet. So we're going to talk, and I want to introduce him in person rather than tell you about him by name. Anyways, um, any of you who are there with me knows who I'm talking about, and it's really exciting. I got that call yesterday, and I'm super excited about it. <clears throat> um, Ashley Weber is supposed to be calling in, and if you remember, um, I don't think it was a couple of years ago, I was in Colorado, a year and a half ago, and I met Ashley, and she's a uh, hell of an advocate and uh, business owner out there, and uh, she runs the normal chapter, and um, just a, an amazing woman, and she, she was injured in, a, in an accident, she's in a wheelchair, and still has, and she has a, a young child, and just uh, an amazing, beautiful person and um, an advocate, advocate and an activist, activist. So uh, she's going to be joining us shortly, hopefully, and um, I think next week she's going to come join us again. We've got a few guests that are supposed to be calling in, and we'll see what happens. Um, you got Christine Dixon. I'm going to put her on the show right now, everybody. This is Christine Dixon. Christine Dixon. All right. Here we go, Christine. Now, remember, Craig Cecil is going to be calling in very shortly, so... Just know that when he calls, we'll put Christine on hold and let Craig talk, and then uh, we'll get get back to get back to her. All right, Christine, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? 
I'm still learning this Zoom thing. I don't see her, but let's try this again. Hello, Christine. Christine is there. Uh, you need to unmute yourself, please. Christine, welcome to the show. <laughs> We're all still figuring out this Zoom thing, but it's working, and um, it's us that are are figuring it out. So as we're transitioning to this new technology that allows for uh, the video conference so you can not only see me yapping away, but you can see who I'm yapping with, um, and it makes for better podcast, absolutely, and uh, it makes it easier to communicate, too, because I can actually see them talk instead of doing these sort of pauses and waiting. Okay, they can see her now. I hear you now. All right. Christine, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm okay. How are you? I see you now. All right. Awesome. I am doing fantastic. So I understand you've got some uh, some issues going on, and I apologize. I haven't been able to hear some of your interviews, but I guess that makes it good for me as I get to hear the story for the first time and um, share this um Oh, I don't know what this is. I just got to start my video. The host is asked to start my video. Oh, I may have turned off my video. <laughs> All right. All right, we're back. We're back. All right, we're learning. We're learning. Anyways, Christine, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, your situation? And uh, this is uh, I know you've been doing a few of the other podcasts that we're connected with, but we all have a different uh, demographic and different audience that we're reaching out to, and I think it's important if you're willing to get out there and fight for yourself, we're willing to stand with you. Oh, my goodness. I've been fighting them for uh, going on almost two years. So um, you can definitely say I'm I'm willing to fight and have been. And, I mean, we're talking about my daughter's life here, you know, and uh, the situation's so unfortunate and so almost unreal that um, – it can honestly happen to anybody, and um, it has. It's, it's national, and it's getting global. And I'm talking to producers um, globally that they're, you know, Googling their country, and they're like, what is going on? This is so crazy. I thought it was just going on because they're doing reports and story, you know, on, on my story. And they actually thought it was just um, us over here, but there's there's other countries now um that unfortunately are kind of doing the same craziness that we are here. So, uh, you know, for a lot of, of you guys that haven't heard of um, my story, Kylie is my daughter. And um, long story short, um, you know, she had an emergency with um, her liver. We had went in for an emergency. And then... Um, How old is she? She's now 13. Okay. This started uh, at 11 and a half, almost, uh, yeah, about 11 and a half. So um, it's been, <laughs> it's been a crazy, crazy long road uh, for her and I both. We're both so almost numb to it and at the same time almost like this is our life, but it's just, it's not okay. It's not. It's the only way we seem to know how to grasp to 
still hang in there, honestly. Um, it's been a long road because she first got, you know, it went into the hospital with an emergency for her liver. Well, the emergency, you know, came and gone, and, and then they said that this emergency that was growing in her liver at first was just a mass. Then it goes from the emergency um, OR uh, visit that we had at the hospital, she had to stay in ICU for a little while because it was a pretty serious, um, you know, she had internal bleeding from her liver because of this mass. So fast forward, we go through ICU, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I had the guarantee of, well, this mass is, you know, 100% is not cancer. Well, then two weeks in, he comes back and he apologizes with another doctor, and he's like, you know, um, I, I was wrong for telling you that, and um, I think we need to move her up to the uh, cancer unit so they can do more testing because they all of a sudden think it's cancer. So I was like, no. No, no, no. Like, this is already, you know, we've already been to freaking hell and back two weeks up here. No way. You know, and he's like, well, you know, we have to. We've got to do the testing. Sure enough, of course, all of a sudden, this tumor is cancer. Everything inside me from then, from that point, just disagreed. It just, you know, just that instinct of feeling like you're being lied to, throwing, you know, just tossed around. And um, next thing I know, it was, you know, it's such a rare and it's going to kill her just from the start. She's going to die. She's going to die. So, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, you know, here's a very serious situation. If this is really the case, I, I need to do something. But I wanted a second opinion, just like any smart parent should or would. The minute I requested that, that's where things got really rough and patchy and it just <laughs> it went from one thing to another my daughter's lungs were failing to her you know kidneys to um chemotherapy right now because if not she's going to die and we're going to charge you so the second opinion was no longer you know an option according to the doctor we had no time for a second opinion wow so then we from not having our right to a second opinion to going forward with chemotherapy because, you know, the least at that time mentally that I was, um, you know, understanding and taking in, they gave me a graph of, okay, you know, she has four sessions of chemo and then um, depending how much it shrunk, uh, we go from there. Well, we end up doing one chemotherapy and Kylie completely just goes downhill fast and hardcore the first night of it, um, which was the third bag. And it was a very strong, strong, heavy dose of iphosomite, which is like mustard gas, if um, anybody really understands and, and knows the background of chemotherapy. So, of course, um, she completely seizes um, her brain ended up getting neurotoxicity to the brain um and then she went into a four-day coma they had to call st jude to get 
a name of a drug that is able to reverse neurotoxicity if that's what it was, which I kept telling them that's what it was. Instead, they're like, oh, no, you know, it's the heavy medication we have her on. So as my daughter is already in scrutiny and pain, they reduced her um, pain medicine, you know, after the chemo already did an arm and a leg, and she's in excruciating pain at this point because of chemo. Well, then they take her off the pain meds. They're like, oh, it's got to be this. And I'm like, no, no, she's been on this this whole time, okay? That hasn't been the problem. You're, you're literally going to put her body into shock, you know? And they did. It just, she ended up plummeting and flatlining, and I was like, holy crap, you know, and lost my crap because I, I knew it. I just, it doesn't take a, rock, a rocket science to put two and two together, but the whole time I was a step ahead of them, and I was like, no, don't do that because it's going to do that. Like, to me, I just felt like there's no way. There's no way these doctors are really that, you know, not so genius. And so uh, fast forward from the first chemo, second chemo, bad. Um, they were able to get the Where uh, are you hypo. physically when all this is happening? What, where, what region are you in? Where are you at? Portland, Oregon. Okay, got it. Portland, Oregon. Never left her side. Um, they wanted me to, of course, and, and kept her there for almost six months straight. And I was the only parent that was literally there day in and day out. And if I left, I think I can count on one hand, somebody else was there with her. And, you know, what's crazy is she had supposedly the worst um, type that you can have. It's terminal, right? Um, and there was kids in there for leukemia, all these higher percentages of, of life and living. And these kids never made it out. Wow. Okay. There's something so disturbingly wrong with that place and the stuff, information that I have for my case. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's what yeah, you get. Christine, shut um, the heck. this is Craig Cecil calling from federal prison where he's serving a life sentence. So I'm going to um, interrupt this call real quick so that he can talk for his 15 minutes. And, and then we'll continue. But you're going to be right here with me and Craig. Diagnosed 
and, um, you know, people are dying anyways. It's crazy, crazy stuff happened in our medical system, and it's not like one person out there saying it. I have people telling me all the time about this crazy stuff that's happening, and it's weird, you know. As you know and I know, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not out there to hurt me. And, you know, that's it's a, it's a thing that people have to realize. There's really some dark shit out there, and there's really some people that um, are doing some, some things that are not, not okay. So what I want to do with you, Craig, is bring everybody up to speed. Um, we have an unfortunate movement out here where the information that you're sharing is going to some people some ways and some people other ways and I've got people telling me we got to do something for Craig we got to help him and I'm like I know we're working on it but I also know that um, we're working we're working with some direction on your case um, and I and I want to get some sense of timelines and things like that I'm I'm gonna have a nice long message to send to you uh, tonight or tomorrow about some possible action that we can take. So why don't you bring us up to speed with what's going on with your your story and your case, because a lot of people are real interested in hearing it from you directly. Now, are you talking my, my most recent case in the Bureau of Prisons here or my case in my criminal case altogether? The criminal case altogether with the appeal and the documents been taken and, and, and all of that. Well, my criminal case altogether is I owned a truck repair facility. Uh, I specialized in the repair of leased refrigerated semi-trailers in the western suburbs of Chicago. And uh, one of my customers was a, a company from uh, uh, Lakeland, Florida, who also used their trucks to haul marijuana. And what they would do is they would send them down into Mexico or wherever. They would... Uh, within the refrigerated walls, they would tear out the insulation, fill them up with marijuana or whatever else, and then uh, drive them across the border into the United States. And apparently they sold this marijuana in Georgia, Florida, and uh, North Carolina. Well, these trucks, after they stuff stuff in the, in the walls and the floors and all that, the, the trailers were pretty badly tore up. So they would bring them to my company near Chicago to rebuild them, and then they put them back in their fleets to do what they do. Well, they ended up trying to charge me in Chicago eventually uh, when they found out about this. And uh, the Chicago uh, federal court decided it's not a crime to fix these. I, you know, I was had no involvement in their uh, marijuana or whatever other crimes. Then they charged me in Corpus Christi, Texas with the same thing because one of their trucks got arrested in Corpus Christi, Texas, and uh, they found records that I had repaired it. And that they said, you know, uh, that, that I must be in their conspiracy, but again, the court threw it out, saying, "No, you weren't in the, you weren't involved in the marijuana." So then, what they did is they took that same truck from Texas, and the bureau and the DEA uh, agents drove it to Georgia, and they recharged my case in a little town in Georgia, Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> and with no trial and essentially no lawyer down there. They gave me a sentence of life imprisonment, primarily with enhancements for obstruction of justice because I I wouldn't help them prosecute other people who might be using their trucks to uh, haul marijuana. And I've been in prison. I was originally arrested on March 21st or March 23rd, 
2002, and I've been in federal prison ever since. And and now most recently, um, you know, you had when when Obama was doing all those uh, commutations, and and uh, uh, you would have easily qualified, um, but you had a glitch when the the, the U.S. attorney kind of threw a wrench into it and, and gave you some other uh, possible reduction of a sentence, and so it kind of tossed out your your ability uh, to qualify for that. And then you had an appeal that you were working on, you know, to, to challenge all this, and tell us what's happened since then. Yes, it was a very unusual situation is my clemency petition under a special provision that Obama had called the Clemency Project 2014. My petition made it past the steering committee. I, I was recommended for clemency. And President Obama, of the 2,500 people serving life for drugs, he commuted the sentence of 567 of them, and only 850 had actually applied for that, you know, under that program. So right at three-fourths of the people that applied like me were granted clemency. They went home. <laughs> I, I know quite a few of them. But mine got blocked when the prosecutor filed a thing in court saying that I agreed to drop the clemency petition and instead accept a 30-year sentence. <laughs> and the court granted it, and my petition was thrown out. It's it, very unusual, and, and as you know, I'm still trying to fight that, and the court just refuses to look at it. But then you, you had some, some paperwork that you were getting ready to file, and you had all, you know, you were getting your case all together, and then all of a sudden all your documents got taken. Yes, and I, I just argued with that with the people involved in that this week. They're, they're still thieves. They're held in the office of uh, Mr. Royer, who decided that since right after the Jeffrey Epstein events, an officer who had been working after day 16-hour shifts and one day a 24-hour shift, he was so fatigued, he, he was almost like he was drunk, and he, he hit me just walking down the corridor for no reason at all. And it's actually broke part of my elbow that I'm still waiting to have some care done on, but I, I have a, uh, some doctor appointments uh, coming up on it. But uh, they would, to make sure that I wouldn't file anything and get the people here in trouble, like the, uh, the Bureau of Prison Guards that just got indicted this week from out in uh, New York who were supposed to be taking care of Jeffrey Epstein, so that they wouldn't get in the same kind of trouble. They, they seized all my legal papers, and they, they've come back twice and made sure that any more that they went ahead and seized those as well. And they put me in the uh, disciplinary segregation for six weeks, so I couldn't use the telephone or email and ask for anybody to help me. So right now I'm still trying to fight that court case, but I'm really in a bad way just trying to, you know, write things on, on paper and mail them in when I don't have the records from the case to rely on. Well, we, we potentially have have some action that we can take. Um, again, I'm going to send you a nice uh, email that explains and, and has some more specific questions for you um, today or tomorrow at the latest, and hopefully we'll be able But I know you've got some kind of a deadline coming up, um, and how, how much time do you have to take action right now? Well, be honest, all, all the immediate deadlines I had, I, I've sent stuff to them, you know, 
uh, one of them passed and they ruled against me just because I didn't have the documents that they seized to send in that I was required to send in. So they already denied that one. And uh, the other one I, I just tried to explain and filed with them, and I, I haven't heard an answer back yet. But uh, I asked them to put things on hold until I can find a way to get my papers back. And I think that's kind of where it remains right now, but I haven't heard an answer back yet. Well, you still have some sort of due process that is actually guaranteed you. And so, I mean, there's still there's still an actual uh, process that if you get a judge that will actually acknowledge your due process, all of these delays should still be able to go through because you didn't have access to what you needed. So. I mean, we're going to operate on the fact that at one point um, you're going to have somebody who's going to say, well, you know, this isn't right. He's supposed to be able to have, uh, you know, these things, and we have to, we can't rule on something until we've seen all of the evidence. Right, because it is the government themselves blocking my access to, uh, you know, uh, a court case against the government. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, I definitely, um, like I said, I should have some uh, some more questions for you and, 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 and let you know some possible um, action that we're going to be able to at least do. And I don't know um, it, all the details of it yet, but I'll, I'll send you an email as soon as, uh, as soon as I have that information. So this call is from a federal prison. That would be fantastic because I, I'm desperate for help in this. I, I, you just can't imagine how frustrated I am. Oh, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. Well, and, and you know, you have a lot of people that want to help, and we're trying to give them something specific beyond just picking up a phone and calling the same numbers they've called a dozen times or going out to Chicago and standing there trying to get somebody to do something. I mean, we're, we're trying to... Do something that can have an impact, and that's 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 what I'm trying to figure out. What's the best way to do? And but just know that we do have a number of people that have reached out and are like, we're frustrated too. We want to, we're trying to get some direction on 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 something that we can actually do to be effective. Thank you, thank you, because um, there's so much opportunity for me now to maybe get a. You know, a second look at my sentence and a, a consideration of, you know, how I even ended up here. But uh, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to file the, the documents that I need to file to follow through on this. There's, you know, as you know, the federal courts have a whole list of requirements for every case. And I started everything, and now I can't follow through with it. <laughs> and I'm, I just find myself, you know, just, just frustrated beyond belief. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I hear you. And and like I say, we we're as we're organizing the walk for change. Um, you know, we're we're getting more and more people aware of your case and aware of some of the other cases. And you know, we're we're gaining on it. We're gaining more and more momentum right now. There's more groups getting involved. Um, I'm launching a chapter of the Human Solution in Mexico right now. And and so you know, there's there's, there's people on an international level. When I told some of these activists about you in particular, they were blown away, you know. And they, they didn't understand, you know, there's such a misconception about what, what's really happening here in America. 
And um, just as we have a misconception of what's happening down in South America, crazy. Like I say, I still get staffers here introducing me to new staffers saying, you got to meet this guy and hear what his sentence is for, that he actually has a life sentence for marijuana as a first-time offender. I mean, I, I still get that day after day after day with the prison staff. So, I mean, this is something foreign to the guards in the Federal Bureau of Prison. Yeah. Well, I just had a friend of mine get out who uh, had been locked up for 10 years, he, and I was there in his trial when he got the mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years, and he just got out um, a couple of, well, a, a week ago, I guess. And um, so, you know, it, it, it's brutal, you know. You see your friends come and go, and, and, and so many things happen, and, you, you know, you meet these people that are going through this, and we just want to end it. So I, I think that was your first beep, or it might have been your second beep. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, thank you. It was the first beep. But uh, thank you because the the walk and the awareness is where we're going to be saved. Like I say, that that the guards themselves in the Federal Bureau of Prisons are are really surprised. Day and age, there's still people in prison for marijuana, and especially people like me serving life sentences for marijuana. Now there is some hope I've heard today about the MORE Act moving forward, but. I'd like to learn more about that, because hopefully there could be some relief for marijuana people, I understand, in there. But uh, I'll, I'll send you I some think information. we have a long road of getting people aware. I'll, I'll send you a bunch of information on the email about it. It went through the Judiciary Committee. Ah. All right, so there's Craig Cecil serving life in prison for pot, and he gets 15 minutes to talk, and it frustrates me every time because that 15 minutes goes so fast, and then it's over. And then he's not there anymore. And uh, we communicate through email, and uh, the, the connection isn't like it is here. It, I'd send an email, and sometimes a day or so later I get a response. Sometimes it's several days later. Sometimes it's the same day. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Zoom. I don't know if I'm still here or not here, but I don't see anything anymore. Um, but we're just going to keep on going. So, Christine, I'm not sure if you're here with us or not. I, I, I am. Oh, you're here. Okay, I don't know what happened to the video. The video says, please wait. The the meeting host will let you in soon. Can you see me? I can. I can see you. Okay, well. Yeah, I, that, that stuff is the waiting room, Joe. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, I can't see anybody, including myself. So, anyways, well, since you're here, um, you know, I, I don't know if you were, uh, if you're able to, to, to hear very clearly. Hopefully you were, but Craig Cecil is, uh, one of the people we've been supporting, I've, met, I've known Craig for a little over six years. I met him while he was in federal prison, and as we discovered him through our prison outreach program, we became friends. And um, he calls in the show every week and gets 15 minutes of, of the freedom to talk about whatever he wants, and it's brutal. I've got George Marcherano on the line, too, who just got out of prison a couple of years back after serving over 32 years on a life sentence and and so when we when we're we're, we're we're you know doing these battles I don't know if you know you probably don't know anything about my case but six or five years ago I beat a case that lasted six years and I've been locked up for pot several times and and I fought the government for six years and and finally 
finally beat them, but, um, you know, that was the beginning, not the end. And here we are five years later, and we're still fighting to end prohibition and, and, and start taking back some of our rights. So why don't you pick up where you left off? And, and, and so you were in the hospital, and they were uh, you were watching people, uh, uh, you know, dying of, of cancers in a place where they're supposed to be helping you. Yep, yep, it was a, you know, a pediatrics ward, so it was even more brutal, um, you know, watching so many tiny little lives um, just diminish like that. And um, like I said, it, it, had I not been by her side, I know damn well she would not be here today. I know that. I can attest to that and have many different levels of proof um, that I have yet to bring to surface until I have a right to a fair trial, which I still have not yet to have. So uh, long story, a little bit fast forward from there. I'm going to kind of try to stick to more of like the facts just because it's, again, two years is a lot of information. So um, well, and, and know this, um, I, I, as, as much as we can talk and introduce yourself to the, to the, to the listeners, um, I would love to have you on, you know, even, even next week or, or anytime you want to call in awesome. to share your story and any updates and we can start building support and whatnot and have you, you know, be a regular pop in and, and just, you know, see what we can do to help. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I'm involved with a lot of other parents, too, in this situation. Um, along the way, there's been hundreds, probably over the two years, thousands, um, that have reached out to my fight page. And it's just, it's brutal. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's, you know, middle class in every type of class, honestly, of a good you know, parents that love their kids and we go in for, you know, um, a broken bone or a bump on the head or God forbid a, you know, uh, internal bleeding out of nowhere. And, you know, you ask for a second opinion or they try to diagnose, you know, the situation and you're like, yeah, freaking right. There's no way, you know, you're telling me that this color of, you know, pink hair, you're trying to talk me into telling me, you know, to believe that this is now blue. And there's just, there's no wrapping your brain around it, you know, and this is the thing. Kylie's situation, I've had three other parents that have come forward and said, I literally had proof of the same hospital diagnosing my daughter. It was, she was only like four or five years old. It was so heartbreaking. And um, she ended up getting a second opinion and fought like hell to get it, um, which she ended up having to do it, you know, on the down low. And guess what? Her daughter didn't have any sign of cancer whatsoever. And they were sitting there pumping her daughter for like three months, she said, um, with chemotherapy, you know, and same kind of uh, brain neurotoxicity, same kind of crap. You know, so what do you and, think really uh, going on? She just, yeah, it's insane. It's well, insane. This was for her. It was six years ago. What do you think they're and, doing uh, though? I mean, are they just spending, just collecting money? Are they doing some kind of testing? What do you think? I mean, what's the, 
What's the purpose you of know, all of this? It seems insane. So much behind it, they do. They get a lot of money um, to pump children or and anybody, any human, full of uh, chemotherapy. It's it's a money making industry. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's you know, too far fetched. Well, guess what? It's not. It's not, especially when there's other agendas in that and, and, you know, the patient not making it out and and in there for six months. Do you understand our medical bill six months later that the insurance ended up having to pay? And let's say um, we get through with the second opinion. I'm going to fight like freaking, you know, with everything in me to get her a second opinion out of the state of Oregon. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about Sorry that. About
the connection that I had. Well, I ended up calling them the very following day, the doctor, and he's like, look, we can talk. Once you get released out of that hospital, we'll talk about the transfer, but right now we can't do anything because based on the medical records, it looks like she has lung cancer and liver cancer. And I was like, excuse me? My daughter has freaking lung cancer? How? When? Where was I? And, um, yeah, that's where all hell broke loose on my uh, second opinion and her intentionally blocking it with falsifying that my daughter had lung cancer on top of liver cancer. So, of course, they're going to deny it. Who's going to take, you know what I mean, a patient um, with a double whammy like that? Right. And so um, I'll go ahead and leave it off, you know, at that point. And I'll okay. make some notes of it, but not. But, yeah, it's, it's talk about all rights. Talk about, as a parent, not having an option medically, medically just to get a second opinion and getting stopped like that after four months of torment and pain and torture, you know, sitting back and watching your daughter take her last breath and then uh, go into a four-day coma and bring her back to it. just, it was insane. Wow. And wow. then to end up where we're at today, two years later, you know, talk about a third-world country. We have no rights, literally. You know, we've been trampled all over the board because of that we make, and it's just crazy. It's not okay. It's not okay. Well, I totally agree with you, and and uh, as you probably know by now, um, you know the Human Solution International is a human rights organization, and we champion uh, disabled rights as well as you know working to end cannabis prohibition and and so many other things. And I understand that cannabis is in the story as well, so. I'm going to go back and listen to some of the other interviews you've done, so I'll be a little bit more versed in, in your story when we talk next week, and, and, and we'll be able to really uh, engage this conversation on a deeper level. But I'm very grateful that you uh, came in to share this story with everybody, and um, just know that, uh, you know, all we're doing is raising awareness. We're raising a community of support, and, um, you know, we're getting ready to march across America to walk for change, and it turns out it looks like we've got some more change that we need to make that we're all going to become aware of. So um, we'll leave it absolutely. at that. Go ahead. No, absolutely. I agree. Awesome. All right, Christine. Well, I uh, appreciate uh, you coming on and telling your story, and I look forward to uh, – I'll only bring one of me next time, so I'll be able to see you the whole time. <laughs> Good. No problem at all. That was great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you much for your time and we'll wrap it up next week all right i look forward to it all right christine dixon folks all right so we got george martirano jeff Eichen, oh. ashley weber on the line over here we're kind of running two different boards so we've got an audio feed on these three and um the the video feed um for guests that want to come in and be on the video feed um we just got to get you scheduled so we can get you logged on that way everybody can see both sides of the conversation, and it's making for a much better podcast. So let's going to bring up George Martirano um, first, and then we'll um, get to Jeff and then Ashley. But I, I definitely want to make sure that we got plenty of time to talk to Ashley because she was our featured guest to begin with. Um, George Martirano is a dear friend, um, a brother from another mother. We call each other cuz. Uh, he did 32 plus years in federal prison for pot. You know, we just talked to Craig Cecil, who's currently serving a life sentence 
Um, my friend just got out of serving a 10-year sentence. And here it is. People are making money selling pot. And um, people think that the Congress has already passed something and there's so much going on right now. Uh, let's just hear it live. George Marcherano, a warrior, uh, a mentor, um, and a man who just uh, is epitomizes hope and moving forward. Uh, I love this man like like he's my own brother. George, welcome to the show. Hey Joe, how are you? How how's Liz? How are you? How was your How was We're your time great. in Mexico? We're back in the USA. It was great. Good, it good, was great. Good, we good. learned a lot. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be back. I can't back wait to get out there. Anyway, uh, real quickly about me personally, I should be out there. Uh, I got involved with uh, a brand and the candy company under my name, so I'll be out there and I'll be hanging out and meet your expertise. And anyway, anyway, it seems like the fight's never, never stopping. I got reached out from a, some great people out of Detroit, and there's an individual. First name is Mitch M M. M-E-E-C-H, and I understand he's doing a lot of time for weed, and he's in the federal prison, and they want me to come to his aid, so naturally I go. In other words, you have to you have to stay the course. You have to stay the course, because if, no matter what they say, if it doesn't say retroactive, that means these poor souls these uh, men and women are going to still be in prison. So exactly. you, have to, you have to do your part. I, I, I mean, everything, uh, my life's starting to evolve a little better now, but I might have to drop everything I'm doing to go to uh, to the state of Michigan to help this poor soul doing, uh, he's doing 30 years for cannabis. So no matter, like I said, you just got to keep, keep, keep going on, keep going. Incidentally, as of today, uh, uh, so many good things going on in my life, but it's not about me. You know, we're branding. We, we have the Hip Hemp Cafes. We have investors wanting to open up Hip Hemp Cafes all through the state of Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania has some good CBD laws. But you never lose focus, please, ladies and gentlemen, like uh, Human Solutions. They never use focus. You know, you know, Joe, Joe has a life. He has a business, but he's there, and he's there uh, with his uh, – podcast still helping people please don't lose focus there's so many people still suffering i want to share that with everyone go well thank you so much george and it's always good to talk to you i'm going to give you a call tomorrow so we can catch up a little bit i've been out out of uh, commission for a couple of weeks but uh back at it and, and running strong well i'll be out there soon because there's some things personal stuff that i I'll be doing with this uh, cannabis industry. And whatever I do out there, I need your counseling. You know that. So no problem. I'll be you soon. Yep, awesome. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, hey, thank you. Love everybody out there. All right, Ow. thank you. <laughs> All right, George. All right. We're going to bring up Jeff Eichen real quickly. Um, Jeff Eichen is um, an activist extraordinary. He's been championing the cause of uh, Michael Thompson, and I and I can't help but think that that's who he was talking about. Um, George helping him or uh, helping out Miko, and um, uh, Jeff's got a, a movie out, Lifer's the movie, and uh, he's he's out there 
walking the walk and um, just a, a, a great human being and a great activist. And, of course, a friend of the show, Jeff Eichen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Let me, uh, let me turn my phone off here. So I'm, I'm on now on your Zoom chat, right? Oh, okay. I can't see you. I have uh, – you are. You are. Let's just say that. <laughs> I, I, I brought both of my Gemini twins to the Zoom chat today, and it fucked everything up. So um, it's okay. Uh, we're having a good time. <laughs> well, I can see you hold three fingers up for me. That's All right. Me. There we that's, go. That's, that's, that's W, yeah. Well, I always say three, two, one, and that's uh, Pete and F Schedule 1. So today we have um, in Congress uh, – the House approved the marijuana bill. Well, but, just wait. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to be really clear because people think that the whole House approved the bill, but it actually it was. No, 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 no. I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, just the House. You, it, it hasn't gone anywhere. It just got approved today to go to the next level. One one committee approved it. There's still more committees that need to approve it, and then the whole House can vote. So it's not. It, it, it's there's a lot of misunderstanding about what actually has happened, and I just want to, it got through the Judiciary Committee, which is great, and it's the first thing that has ever happened regarding a federal cannabis bill. But it's not the end of the story yet. It still has a bunch of committees it needs to go through, and then it goes to the House floor for a vote. So, so Joe, because uh, we're on Zoom right now, and I turned my phone off, can the public hear me? Can yes. the regular public hear? Me? Absolutely. Everybody can so hear you. Your Zoom is going. Well, I spent several hours yesterday and several hours today uh, streaming the legislation and talking to Beth Curtis, talking to uh, Tracy Glor, and um, and each of them have family members in prison for marijuana, and it's fucked up. And there's still um, the legislation has no retroactivity. And it's time that we that we share that with them. So through all of our blogs and through all of our time, um, it's very important to talk about CBD. It's very important to talk about our, our coffee stores and our freedom. Um, but it's so important while we have incredible legislation that we have it written properly because nobody is putting our reform, our walk, you know, we're doing the walk for prohibition but we're also doing the walk for our prisoners. We need to have that. I mean, it should have been a no-brainer that that was installed in the legislation. And because it's not, it pissed off Ed Curtis, whose brother John Knock has been in jail for two life sentences. I mean, what is that all about, you know, for Fox? Insanity. Well, and that's what the Walk for Change is all about, is we're changing, you know, we're getting together to show each other that we can – we can speak as one voice, and, and there's what, what can't we change? You know, remember, our government's supposed to be working for us, and they're supposed to be representing us. They're supposed to be – the laws are supposed to be of, by, and for the people, and, you know, we let it slip away. We did what – we didn't do what, what our founding fathers told us we needed to do, and now we have the problem that they told us we would have, and the only way we can fix it is to get together, to stand up, to unite, to speak with one voice, and to finish the job. You know, we've got these half-assed laws that have passed halfway here and there. Some people get to do some things. Other people don't. And there's no equal protection under the law as we were promised. And that's what we're going to change. 
Well, I think today is very historical. I think the fact that, that uh, people all over Facebook that, that are just um, looky-loos and they, they come onto my side, they come onto your side, they come onto their friend's side, those that were streaming what I was streaming and everything else, at least they can say the word ma -ma -ma marijuana and it goes onto the nightly news now. And so <laughs> that is a plus for us. That's a I plus agree. for us because we're getting, we're, we're, we're fucking the stigma. We're getting rid of it because, you know, like Jack Herrera said, paper, fiber, fuel, medicine, and food. And Drug Policy Alliance said that we need to re-legalize the war on people. It's not the war on drugs, it's the war on people. You know what, I'm going to tell you a quick little story, and I thought about Jack Hare when I was going through this. So when I was down in Mexico, I was working with a bunch of, um, of, of eco-friendly business people that were working on, on making sustainable farms and, and all kinds of really cool environmentally sound um, action. And this guy was over, and, and his job was to give a workshop on how to raise chickens um, and, and give them enough protein in a sustainable way. And he was talking, we were talking about, you know, raising earthworms and catching grasshoppers and all these crazy things that would work. But in a, in a, in a country where uh, the vast majority of the people are impoverished and they only know one way to do things, you can't easily get somebody to go, I know, I'll stop what I know and I'll go raise some earthworms. But I, I, in a moment of clarity, I said, what about hemp seed? And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, right. And I says, yeah, right. You could grow hemp seed with the rainwater that lands on these hills right now in between the coffee plants that you're already growing for coffee and the seed, if just grow it for the seed, don't worry about anything else. Just grow the seed and feed those seeds to the chickens and you would have plenty of plenty of protein. It was all about the protein. And he said, you know, it would work, but they just would never go for it. Everybody's too afraid. And I says, well, that's what we got to fix, and that's why we're walking. And I thought about exactly what you were just talking about at the time. And who knows, maybe I planted a seed in his mind, and who knows, maybe one day we'll be feeding the chickens hemp seeds. Well, my next movie that I'm going to be raising the money for um, – so I don't go broke myself and everybody. Oh, and by the way, everybody, um, Peter and Helen need your help, everybody. So send money to Peter and Helen so they can get their transmission and their axle fixed so they can get back on the road and support the walk. So everybody go there and uh, support us all, everybody, when you can. We really appreciate it. Um, but um, in, the, in, in, the, in my next project, I, I want to do a medical movie and a farm movie. I'll put them both together, um, and I'm going to make it like 20 minutes, so you can take a stick, or you can give them a link, even these people in Mexico, and they can watch it with their with their family members, or their people around them that have the, you know, that'll talk about it, and then, if it's good enough, and if we have people around us enough, we can translate those little films in different languages, and we can also tell them how to do it and, and why to do it and what the cannabinoids do to children and how hemp seed has the perfect protein that you don't need meat for. So the bottom line is, is that that's my next project is to save our world through film. Awesome. Well, Chet, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. And uh, why don't you give me a parting shot and uh, um, uh, one last way that everybody can get a hold of you. 
Well, a cup of Joe. I can see you holding your cup of Joe there, man. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Do that again. Hold that up. I'm going to take a screenshot of you. Wait, wait, wait. Not in your face. Not in your face. Turn, turn. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right there. All right. Okay, I got it. Oh, yeah, wait. I want a picture of you drinking. Yeah, <laughs> okay. There you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Show me the American flag. That's going to be um, ambiguous. Yeah, right there. Look at me. There you go. Cool. I'm a photographer, man. Damn it. <laughs> I love it. So, so everybody, everybody, um, you can find me at lifersthemovie.com or on my Facebook, Jeff Eichen, E-I-C-H-E-N, and I'll be streaming as often as possible. Um, I'll be supporting uh, Peter and Helen Yapel and the rest of our group, our, our, our beautiful, beautiful team and family. And I support Cup of Joe. I support everybody. Uh, Becca, you're great in Portland. And Joe, you're great in Cali. Um, I hope the fires aren't, um, aren't getting closed. We're raining and today. The fires are out. It did rain. It did rain. And so, and so God bless um, uh, America to do the right thing and for us not to be angry at the, at the top. Let's just work with what we have. And let's um, and let's keep on working and get ourselves all the way to the um, to the walk. I'm working on an album right now, and we're going to be taking the proceeds from high-end musicians on my album. We're going to print it on hemp plastic, everybody, awesome. and we're going to print a, a, a record album. And so the bottom line is is that the the proceeds are going to go to a restitution fund for the prisoners when they come home. We're going to have some money for you in a nonprofit um, bank account. So I love you all. Keep an eye on me. Keep an eye on Joe and everybody else. Thanks um, for Craig Cecil to finally come back. We were wor worried about him for a while. And Jeff Eichen at lifersthemovie.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Always a pleasure. It's good to be back, and we'll be back at it again next week as well. Love all you, right. man. Hemp, hemp, hooray. Hemp, hemp, hooray. Okay, man. Love you. Love you back. All right. We got Ashley Weber up next, and I'm sure you'll remember Ashley. Um, she's a striking individual who uh, has been on the show a couple of times before. I met her out in Colorado about a year and a half ago, and um, uh, an amazing activist, amazing mom, and uh, an entrepreneur, and uh, uh, all. I don't know. I could just go on and on. So, Ashley, it's uh, so great to have you join us. I understand um, you'll be able to join the Zoom call next week, so we've got kind of a, a reintroduction this week, and next week we can go deep. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds good. I apologize for being so late and not being able to to be on Zoom and face-to-face -face with you tonight, but I, I hear that uh, there's double of you and you can't really see, so maybe it's better that we wait for <laughs> next week anyway. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Um, I was I was in Mexico and I I did a, a couple of sweat lodges and I was working on some personal work and part of the personal work I did and I'll just be really public about it because I've already done it is when I was a, when I was a lot younger I'm a Gemini so technically I'm supposed to have you know two parts to me but one part of me is a rotten little kid who's mean and 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 horrible and so when I was I don't know, probably in my early 20s, I said, you know what, F you, you're causing me too much trouble, and I'll lock you up in a box. And when I was doing some of this personal work, I realized maybe I should let him out. It's been a while. And yeah. <laughs> so now that he's out running around loose, he took over Zoom, 
<laughs> so oh, it's hard yeah. to say what's coming up. We're both loose again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I look forward so, to next week, and, and uh, I'll yeah, just yeah. do a little prequel about uh, kind of what we're going to talk about and, and any questions that you, you have to ask, uh, I, I'll definitely answer tonight, and, and we can go into some more detail next week. Perfect, perfect. So, yeah, it's been a little bit over a year, I think, since we've spoken um, on the show at all. So what, 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 give, me a, give me a quick rundown of what's been going on. Well, um, I'm executive director of Colorado Normal and have been for a while, as you know. So uh, we definitely passed a lot of great bills for the medical patients and for the consumers um, in 2019. And uh, Governor Polis signed those uh, this after session, and and we got the delivery bill here in Colorado. Um, we renewed the sunset laws, which are renewed every 10 years, which was a really huge thing because we got to change a lot of the rulemaking um, as far as recycling, for instance. Um, the MED wouldn't allow dispensaries to uh, let any really recycling go on in in the store because you couldn't bring any contaminated containers back to the dispensaries. So now we have in rulemaking, it's changed to where dispensaries can allow recycling. Oh, cool. So, that's good. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, yeah it's a but, really, really big one right there. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and you know, it's so funny because people – think that, oh, Colorado's got it all figured out, and the truth is nobody's got it all figured out. There's still a lot of work to do, and, you know, restrictive um, laws have flaws, and, and you know, until we come together with common sense and, and, and make things in such a way that, you know, everybody can have access to what they need, and, and we're not uh, restricting ourselves into oblivion at the same time we have some common sense rules so people aren't coming in poisoning us there's 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 common sense that could be had and I think that that's ultimately what I hope we're all heading towards absolutely another common sense uh, piece of legislation that we're running this year and is probably our first priority for Colorado normal would be the workplace drug testing. We feel there shouldn't be any grounds for firing or hiring just because there's metabolites of THC in your system. So that is number one on our priority list. And um, we do, I have had meetings up at the Capitol with a couple of representatives and we have the two representatives already signing on to that bill. So that is, a huge plus. Yeah, it'll be nice one day when technology catches up with uh, um, nature and, and we could actually develop a test for intoxication rather than the presence of a substance because as everybody, well, not as everybody knows, as, as people that are informed know that it, we're all so different. You know, just look at us. Don't we all look different? Don't we all talk different? Why wouldn't it be that our chemistry inside might be different as well? And to think that the presence of some amount of something in your body is going to cause you to feel a certain way and that everybody's going to be the same enough, doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, and I, and it's really hard to define what what is your toxicity level. What what is what's the your baseline? Um, so that's really what a company is doing here in Denver is they're measuring what your baseline is for uh, brain cognitive. Um, so if you're sleepy, if you stay up all night and you go into work, you're not going to be on your 100% uh, best. So um, whenever you go in sleepy or if you're on uh, prescription drugs that maybe might make you droggy the next day or if you've had too much to drink and you have a hangover, um, then you're cognitively not there. So it's a test that you take before you even check in for work or clock in, and um, and if you're not there, they send you home. There's a company that did install it in Denver, and they had a reduction rate of, I think it was almost 85 to 90% in, in any type of accidents at the workplace. Oh, I bet. I would do it. I, I, you know, I tell my people that work for me, if you're not feeling 100%, don't come in. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't want you to make a mistake that in any way could possibly affect somebody else. And unfortunately, we live in a world where every mistake affects somebody else. So I, I would support that, to be honest, if we could have a, 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 a reasonably accurate assessment of cognitive skill and establish a baseline, have everybody check in, plug in the electrodes, and, uh, and think of something nice for a couple of seconds and have it read out. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting form of, I guess, finding out uh, where where people are in the workplace and and how to define, um, I guess, people's baseline. Well, you know, I've had an idea for many years, and and I've talked to a lot of people about it. I'd love to see it come into play, but everywhere that there's been cannabis laws that have allowed for cannabis to uh, to be whether medical or recreational or both, they often pass uh, DUI laws, um, and all of a sudden you have a spike in people getting DUI offenses with cannabis. And I, the same issue goes with these metabolite tests. And I said, you know, all you have to do, and it's a simple thing, and it could be done. The technology is already there. Is you set up a, a, a driving simulator. In the back seat of a cop car, you have your set, you set up your checkpoint, and you have this video game, but it's a real-life simulator with a real-size steering wheel and gas pedal and brake, and you get in and have them drive, and that'll tell you if they can drive or not, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think actually there was a study in Canada, and I'll have to send you more information on it, that, that did have a simulation test, and it did show that there was no difference um, in in anything. It, it, in fact, it as we all know, it just slowed things down a little bit. <laughs> so um, well, I'll definitely send you over that study. And I would love to see that. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm all for there to be laws that say you can't drive if you're impaired. I don't want somebody impaired crashing into me, but I also don't want to get pulled over because I smoked a joint an hour ago and have metabolites in me and, and, and end up facing charges because they're going to claim I, I, I was high because I smoked a joint an hour ago. Well, 
the two don't have anything to do with each other. So I, you know, we got to get to a place with common sense. Who knows? Technology could be our friend in this. Well, Ashley, we got a couple more minutes left. Is there a, a parting shot that you want to lay down? Um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to do the Zoom next week, and I will try to sequester one of my people so that only one of me is, is present and we can actually have a face-to-face. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. Uh, I guess a few things that I really want to hit on um, are – are the recycling um, that dispensaries really need to probably to get online with? And here in Colorado, um, Colorado Normal is really trying to push the issue on re- bringing in your old plastic recycle your containers to recycle, and there will be bins out front of the dispensaries. And we have a company that will come around and they will pick up these bins and the old plastic containers. And they take these and they take it and they turn it in. It's called regrind. And after it's reground down into little pellets, it can then be poured into different molds. And this guy has frisbee disc golf molds and sunglass frames. So that's he's contracted out already with a company that is reselling his disc golf, and they're made out of regrind plastics from old cannabis containers, which is really will keep more plastic from being um, disposed into the landfills or in your backyard or in trashes. And um, and then another thing is we have another company we're working with, and it is a third party. We have the distrib- distribution, um, the manufacturing, and they are able to pump out 140,000 containers a day, and they're going to be doubling up in the next two weeks. So they'll be able to do 280,000 containers a day. And these containers are made out of hemp. And now CBD companies can carry it for their capsules or their gummies. And dispensaries can carry it for their weed, their child-proof certification certified. And I just look forward to showing you them um, on Zoom next week. And uh, we have four orders available and ready, and I, I can't wait to talk to you about it in more in-depth. That sounds fantastic. I look forward to hearing about that. You know, I was in Mexico um, at this place in the middle of a cloud forest, and the guy had built these eco-friendly homes, and they were adobe homes, but he had built the center of the walls were filled with trash. And, and he had, you know, built these things where plastic and metal and just, all kinds of trash were shoved into these things, compacted down, sand was put between it, and then they built the walls, and it acted as insulation. And it was just part of the house, and the house was beautiful, and you'd never know, and it was an eco-friendly way of using the stuff. So I, I think that that's a big part of our message. You know, we, we all talk about how groovy and how great pot is and hemp can save the world, but we got to actually save the world <laughs> because if you've ever gone to the beach and you see all the crap that's floating up on the sand and you go out and you see the, the plastic island out there and all the crazy, crazy, horrible stuff that's going on, we got to do something about it. And that's, that's where raising this awareness is all about. Well, Ashley, I am absolutely excited to talk to you again and um, look forward to next week. We'll, We'll have a, a, a more complete uh, interview. We'll get you on Zoom, and then I can't wait to see um, this whole recycled project that you have. It sounds fantastic. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, and I appreciate everything that you do, Joe. Always my pleasure. All right, Ashley Weber, folks, and uh, we will resume this next week. Get it? Resume this. And um, <laughs> we're going to have basically <laughs> our same guest. Um, we're going to have Christine Nixon. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. We'll see you all next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.